This is the St. Longinus' Baptism podcast channel. This episode is True Catholic Devotions, and it'll be for the 30th of January, 2022. The passage I'm going to be talking about will be 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 30. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All for the sacred heart of Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. Okay. So as I said... This is going to be chapter 1, verses 18 through 30 in 1 Corinthians. For the world, I'm sorry, for the word of the cross to them indeed that perish is foolishness, but to them that are saved, that is to us, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the prudence of the prudent I will reject. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? By seeing, I'm sorry, foreseeing that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of our preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews, for both the Jews require signs and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we, re, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, indeed a stumbling block, and unto the Gentiles foolishness. But unto them that are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your vocation, brethren, that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But the foolish things of this world hath God chosen, that he may confound the wise and the weak things of the world. Hath God chosen that he may confound the strong. And the base things of this world and the things that are contemptible hath God chosen. Things that are not that he might bring to naught the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his sight. But of him that are you in Jesus Christ, who of God is made unto wisdom and justice and sanctification and redemption. That is, it is written, he that glorifieth may glory in the Lord. I want to apologize for that last part. Um, I did, I had written down 18 through 30, and I did proofread the text, but I overlooked the last passage, which was 31, and 
without 31, the context of what St. Paul was getting at would have been lost. So that is my mistake. So, a little context. Um, Israel at this time of St. Paul, you had religious Jews, and then you had the Gentiles, which were basically non-religious Jews, or Jews that weren't following the true Catholic, or I'm sorry, the true uh, Jewish religion, as it was known then, who were influenced by the Greek philosophers. Now, when I used to post on the boards, uh, the comment boards of YouTube videos, I had, this guy called himself a Catholic, um, he was trying to argue with me that Plato had influenced St. Paul, which is freaking ridiculous. St. Paul being a religious Jew would not have been influenced by Plato. Now, this person... And either, uh, I'm going to give him the benefit in doubt and say he was ignorant, would say that as a rabbi, he would be familiar with the teachings of, of Plato and Aristotle and, you know. And I tried to explain to him that St. Paul, um, Jewish rabbis that were following the old Jewish tradition before Christ would have avoided what they considered um, Gentile philosophy for the simple fact that it was, it was from non-believing Jews, which definitely the Greeks were. They were pagans. So they would not have studied as a matter of principle, the Greek philosophers. My point in bringing this up is, is that this passage of scripture disproves that mistaken notion that that gentleman was holding on to about Greek pagan philosophy influencing um, the apostles. I also explained to him too that the original 12 disciples were basically illiterate uh, Jewish peasants. They would have had no con uh, uh, contact with Jewish philosophy. And furthermore, they wouldn't have had the means to go to a philosophy school. And being fishermen, they were practical guys. You know, the Greek philosophers to them would have been too obscure and, you know, too lofty for them to to cudgel their minds over. You know, they just would have dismissed it and said, well, that's for educated people. And by the way, if you've ever heard the term, it's all Greek to me, the the the, the basis for that saying is basically... 
um, about the Greek philosophers being incomprehensible and, and unless you were of a philosophical mindset, which most people aren't. But, you know, when he makes this, and the reason... The reason I'm trying to be charitable with this gentleman is, is he thinks that the Vatican II Church is um is is true Catholicism. You know, they they the 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 more ignorant members of the Vatican II sect they consider Vatican II a legitimate council. Now you know you can call them to task for not at least, you know, reading into what the the Vatican II Council Fathers had written and the philosophy behind that. Um, but that's that's not the purpose of this devotional into getting that. Um, you know, I've covered that in uh, my several episodes on why Vatican II is heretical. But basically, traditional, and when I'm saying traditional Catholicism, I'm talking pre-Vatican II. Pre-Vatican II Catholicism was supernatural. In other words, there was, you know, it, 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 it came down from heaven. And what the council fathers at Vatican II tried to do was make it more natural, and when I say natural, I mean from uh, from human reason. You know, they tried to impute human motive, uh, human agency into the works of you know into the Catholic Church, and you know, I, I have a feeling that the person I was interacting with was a younger guy. So Vatican II would have been his only frame of reference. So in all charity, uh, you know, he's just saying what he's been taught, but it's incorrect. I will state flatly it is incorrect. It's wrong. This passage I just quoted proves it. Um, so anyway, um, in verse 18, he talks about the word of the cross, um, to them that are perishing or perish. And basically the unsaved, the, the the people that reject the word of Jesus Christ. He's saying that the gospel, it, you know, they hear it and they think, oh, this is a bunch of nonsense. Um, because people are individuals, they may have various reasons for rejecting that. But to them that are not open to the word of God and his teachings, it sounds like a bunch of nonsense. And he's saying to those who accept these teachings and sayings, it is the power of God. In other words, 
the, the teachings and sayings of Jesus Christ to those who are open to those teachings. This is the ultimate truth, the ultimate wisdom. That is basically what he's saying there. Now, in verse 19, he talks about how, and I this may be from the Psalms, I'm not really sure. It's been a long time since I've cracked the Old Testament, but apparently there was a uh, Old Testament writing that said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And basically what it's referring to is that you know those who who hold themselves up for their knowledge and in their minds wisdom well you know he's going to use his his teachings and his words to basically make them look like ignorant bumpkins which you know in god's eyes they are And he's saying the prudence of the prudent, I will reject. This is, we're still on verse 19. Basically what he's saying there is, if you have a human motivation for not following God's words and teachings uh, 100%, you know, he's, he's going to reject you. You know, if, if you're if you're saying, well, you know, I can't be out front and forward about what I believe because in this day and age, that could get me locked up in a camp. You know, well, basically what St. Paul's saying here is, well, God, when you go before judgments, God's like, yeah, you denied me. I'm going to deny you. Which, by the way, there is a line in, in the gospel. I forget which one, but Jesus basically told his Jewish audience. If you're ashamed of me here while you're on earth, I'm going to be ashamed of you in heaven. You know, um, which is basically a elegant way of saying you, if you deny me on earth, I'm going to deny you when you come before my judgment. In verse 20, he's asking, where are the wise men? And he, he talks about the scribes. Basically, the scribes were basically Jewish religious scholars. You know, they were known for their, uh, their high learning and their intellect. And he asked, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And basically, if you were a scribe in the old Jewish religion, obviously you would have considered Jesus and his teachings heretical. You know, because it contradicted uh, the old Jewish uh, traditions. And... Um, as far as... Uh, when he asks who are the wise, 
basically what he's saying is is those with that 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 take an inordinate amount of pride in their education and their intellect you know god is going to make them look foolish so Now, in verse 21, he's saying that by the wisdom of the world, in other words, from a non-Catholic Christian perspective, to, you know, um, I know this is kind of repetitive, but basically he's saying they reject the wisdom of God because to them it's it's foolishness because they do not know God. He's saying flat out, they think it's foolishness because they do not know God. And it pleases God that the early apostles, because you got to remember when St. Paul was writing this epistle, the, 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 the other apostles were mostly still alive. Uh, a couple of them might have already been martyred, but most of them were still alive. He's saying that it pleases God that these guys, that uh, these apostles and disciples that were preaching Jesus's uh, word and his wisdom, that the, that the people who would not believe were they considered them foolish? What Paul, uh, Saint Paul, is saying here is, is well, it pleases God that they would appear foolish to those who reject my teachings, who reject my wisdom. And then in verse He talks about the Jews and the Greeks. Basically, he says the Jews are looking for for miracles. They're they're looking for miracles. Which, by the way, Jesus Jesus uh, did tell when he was preaching his 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 word and his new doctrine. He did tell his Jewish audience. He said, you know, you come here looking for miracles. And I'm paraphrasing here, of course. You come here looking for miracles. But he said, blessed is he who has not seen me or my miracles yet believes. In other words, you know, if you're only... If you're only looking for miracles and you're not going beyond the surface of the miracles, um, basically Jesus is saying that, you know, you're not, number one, you're not going to last in the faith very long. But number two, um, oh, by the way, if you would even in, even call that faith, because basically you're watching a miraculous event, you know. Um, you know, uh, anyway, 
He's saying if you're looking after miracles, number one, you're not going to last long in the faith. And number two, he's saying that your faith should be deeper than just looking for miracles. In other words, you should be looking for following Jesus as close as you can. And the way you do that is by following his teachings and putting into practice the wisdom that he has taught. Now, in verse 23, um, and by the way, this passage is as relevant today as it was back in 50 AD when, when Paul was preaching this to uh, the Gentile nations. But basically, he's saying that we preach the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his salvation to the Jews as a stumbling block. What he means by that is, of course, to the Jews that were still caught up in the old traditions of the old religion, they considered Jesus a heretic. They accused his miracles of coming from, from Satan and from demons. They absolutely would not acknowledge that he was who he said he was, which was God. And then to the Greeks, he, he says it's foolishness. Um, there was a reason that I said that um, to... Um, that this is applicable today. If you look at the, the quote-unquote evangelist of the new atheism, and they don't even have to, to be, you know, the new evangelist of the new atheism. They could be just your average everyday person. They're going to, you know... To them, Jesus dying for the for their sins and going through what he got, went through, they they can't wrap their heads around it. It sounds like a bunch of pious nonsense. It sounds like you know. Uh, and by the way, religion in general, if you're ever even remotely familiar with what goes on on the internet, you know that you get these you know these uh, know it alls. Oh well, Christianity—it got its—it's it got its start from the from the pagan Roman and and Greek myths, and it's a it's a Sumerian legend. It's a it's a Babylonian myth. You know, they'll even you know they'll even <laughs> and, and see if the ultimately the people making this argument. They have to be excused for their ignorance, but there's malice in there too. Because I almost, well, in my experience, the majority of the people making these type of arguments run into three types. The first type is um, that these people... They want to disprove Christianity, but they don't want to look at the Christian side. And when I say Christian, I'm talking Catholic. I'm not talking Protestant. 
but they want to, you know, they're, they're, they're so anxious to disprove Catholicism that they won't even bother to read, you know, the arguments for Catholicism. They just, you know, as far as they are concerned, they don't have to trouble themselves with studying that. The second type of person is, um, the second type of person is a former Catholic who just, you know, for whatever reason, because we're all individuals, for whatever reason has fallen away from the faith. And now they're so embittered by their experience with Catholicism that they 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 want to disprove everything about it. They want to disprove it. So they'll go to the to the length where they will say obvious falsehoods. Um, and by the way, when I say this, I'm not painting all former Catholics like this, but I'm saying a lot of them will say obvious falsehoods because they're so embittered against Catholicism because now some people, some former Catholics do preach this out of ignorance because Vatican II purposely does not catechize its adherents to the proper standard that they should be at because it's easier to manipulate somebody when they're ignorant rather than if they know what they're, you know, what uh, their, their religion is teaches. So that's why I say um, some of them may be ignorant, but some of them have been catechized properly, but they're so bitter against Catholicism, whatever the reason may be that they'll knowingly, uh, use these tropes about a Babylonian myth, a Sumerian legend, to use it against the Catholic Church, knowing full well it's a falsehood. And then the third type of person, and uh, I've mentioned this on a previous episode, he tried to argue with me. Oh, let me back up a bit. I got a little ahead of myself. This guy is a Protestant, and I have heard Protestants. And by the way, for those of you who are new to this channel, I'm a former Protestant. I'm well familiar with their arguments and their way of thinking. But you will get certain Protestants who will argue that, you know, basically um, Catholicism is a false religion because it picked up pagan myths. You know, depending, you know, because Protestantism has 40,000 different denominations, you get 40, well, not 40,000, but you get a variety of uh, misinformation. It just depends on the person who's spouting that quote-unquote information. But they'll tell you that... um uh, Catholic uh, religious teachings and ceremonies were based on the Egyptians or based on uh, Greek, the uh, pagan Greek mythology or the uh, pagan Roman mythology or the Sumerians or the Babylonians. And 
once again, a lot of this is out of ignorance. They're getting this information off of Brother Joe Bob's uh, super Protestant uh, podcast or webpage. And, you know, it's all about the, the Catholic Church being the horror of Babylon. And, you know, because it, because of bias, you know, uh, bias confirmation, it is a real thing. They take it as gospel. They don't go bother going beyond the claims. They just take it and run with it. So, anyhow, um, that's the foolishness that he that St. Paul's talking about when he's talking. He uses the word Gentile in uh, verse twenty three. It's it's a good word as any. Um, basically, anybody. Who's basically in that era? You had uh, Jewish people that were clinging on to the Jew, the old Jewish religion and traditions. You had the pagan, pagan non-Jews. Um, you had the pagan Jews, and then you had the followers of Jesus Christ. So, now in verse 24, he says, Those who are following Jesus Christ, um, their teaching is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And I think I kind of kind of touched on that in my earlier commentary, but uh there's 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 you know there's your uh confirmation there what I just said um now in verse twenty five he said the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And what he means by that is the actions and the thoughts of a pious, devout Christian, you know, basically an uneducated, pious, and devout Christian is more wise than the pagan Greek philosophers, the pagan Roman philosophers. And for that matter, the... um the religious leaders of the old Jewish religion. You know, he, he was saying their piety, their devoutness is wiser than these guys who in the eyes of the world around them were educated, um, were educated men, uh, intelligent and educated men. And... He says that the weakness of God is stronger than men. And basically what he's saying is, and I think he touches on this in in another epistle, but basically um, he, he makes the argument that it's the weak 
well, in in worldly standards, the weak people, you know, the poor person, the widow, the uh the the outcast, the stumble bum, who are pious and devout, they're stronger than than the strongest emperor or the strongest uh government, you know, whatever the world thinks is strong. You know, they it's it's the weak that are actually stronger than the strong. But I I just want to make clear that these weak people, these were people who were devout and pious. Okay? There is a difference. You have plenty of poor people, uh, plenty of people who are disadvantaged, who do not believe in Jesus. Um, they are not stronger than, than men because they don't have the power of God in them. Okay, so in verse 26, he basically explains that for those who are trying to be pious and devout toward Jesus, um, they're, um, what the world considers wisdom is actually foolishness. And by the way, once again, you can use this the present day. You know, there there are many people in this world that if you're pious and devout, well, actually, it's gotten so bad nowadays, even if you're not pious and devout, because, you know, I haven't always been striving for this, for this uh, goal. But you listen to what comes out of the mouth of what the world calls, you know, uh, intelligent, wise people. And you could just, you know, they're, they're, they're idiots. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry for the blunt talk, but I don't know any other way to call it. They're idiots. These people who run around, and I'm not talking about the SJWs with the purple hair that are 300 pounds, all tatted up with, you know, piercings. I'm talking about accredited college professors from major universities who say things like, um, gender is a social construct. Um, uh, you know, white people are inherently evil just for being white, not for, you know, not on an individual level, but the whole, if you're white, you're wrong because being white is wrong and, and stuff like this, you know, um, like I said, you don't necessarily have to be a pious and devout Catholic to, to, to see that their foolishness, they're broadcasting it every day. Okay. In, in verse 27, 
and I kind of touched on this, I think in verse 25, he's saying that in worldly standards, God has chosen the what the world considers ignorant bumpkins. And that's that's another falsehood the world wants to put out there that, oh, if you follow the sky, daddy, you're a moron, you're an idiot. Well, he's what he's saying here is, and by the way, you know, that, that was back in those days, you know, um, back when Paul was writing, the educated Greeks and Romans thought that the, Look at those ignorant Jewish peasants spout off about this Jesus guy. Oh boy, are they stupid. Well, basically what he's saying here is, it is the people that are considered ignorant and backward and bumpkins who are going to make the what the world considers the wise and the intelligent and the well-educated look stupid. And then he says um, that God chooses the weak so that he may confound the strong. And once again, you have to understand the context. When he says strong, he's talking about what appears to be strong in this world. Um, God chooses, you know, the, the least likely person you know, kind of the, the best the best metaphor I can use is when you have the 98-pound, 5'10", glasses geek, and he whoops up on the 6'2", 230-pound muscle man who's an MMA fighter. You know, that's the best metaphor I can take, but... He's taught uh, St. Paul is referring to in the spiritual sense. He's not actually talking in the physical sense. And basically in verse 28, he's saying that that. Jesus chooses to work through the contemptible things of the world. Um, and basically what he's saying is what the world considers, you know, uh, despicable or not worthy of respect or common decency for that matter, God is going to use them to work his 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 works through them so that they may make the um what the world considers foolish make them look stupid um we there's a saying among some set of accountists that god uses the broken tools and i can attest through personal experience I'm probably one of the most broken tools. I mean, I'm not going to claim to be the, you know, the most broken tool in the toolbox, but believe me, I'm pretty messed up. And, you know, if it pleases God, you know, maybe he'll be able to use me in a more direct manner. But 
basically what the saying means is, is that God uses the broken and, and the despicable and despised to work through. Verse 29 is basically St. Paul is saying, so they may not glory in the flesh. In other words, it's a fancy way of saying so that human beings may not get prideful about their achievements. And that goes back to the Catholic teaching that, you know, if you're going to grow in holiness, you need to have humility. So basically, if if you want me to bottom line verse 29 for you, basically what St. Paul is saying is, uh, basically God's putting you in your place. Okay, so in verse 30, St. Paul is saying that you who are following, in other words, you who are trying to be pious and devout, that for, for the devout and pious uh, Catholic, God is going to give you wisdom and justice and sanctification and redemption. And in verse 31, he wraps up by saying that you, you devout and pious followers of Jesus Christ, he gives you these things because you glorify in him, in Jesus. And when you glorify in Jesus, when you go before the judgment, you will be glorified. Is basically what he's saying. So, that's the end of the devotion for January 30th, 2022. I really appreciate you listening, tuning in. You don't have to spend time with me, but I do appreciate the fact that you do. Um, that that's not just a uh, nice thing I'm saying. I really do appreciate those who listen. Um, so I'm praying for you guys. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.